Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Tara Bowen-Biggs here, as always, with Danny Meringue. Danny, how's it going today? Huh, you know, things, stuff. You actually have me out in the sunshine, which is kind of weird. I I know it's kind of strange. I was thinking that uh, we had to delay our podcast for a day because we had some technical difficulties. But uh, what that means is I'm actually talking to you like during the daylight hours because yeah, no. usually we record late on Sunday night. The, us vampire types aren't exactly fans of the sun, um, so I, 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 I was I, figuring you'd probably be a, a little bit more lethargic because you aren't lying in your coffin while you're speaking tonight. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I I'm in my little my dark room. You know, the, the sun is, is completely blocked out and nobody can get to be in here, including those evil, evil sun rays. No, in all seriousness, like the, the sun is shining through the windows right now. And it, it is a little weird to be talking basketball during the day, um, but kind of fun, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it is uh, the Blazer news has dried up in the sunshine. <laughs> it is very hard to come across a blazer specific news break, you know, breaking news stories, but we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best this whole off season to find plenty of things to talk about. You know, I got a and metaphor though- for the blazers news. I just thought of this. I think this is, is pretty good. It's, it's probably terrible, but I think it's pretty good. You know, those okay, horrible, poetic on us. Yeah, huh? You know, those horrible fireworks, the worms, you, you the ones that just kind of like twist and, and then sort of melt yeah. into the and they just like yeah. burn out at the very end. Like we're at the end of one of those worms. Like that's 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 kind of how the Blazers news is kind of rolling right now. It's completely burnt out, and we're we're, we're grasping at straws. But there's still plenty of things to talk about NBA wide, league wide, and, and things that we can get to. But yeah, the the NBA news is pretty much hey, CJ McCollum's going to be doing his media blitz this week, and that's <laughs> about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much CJ McCollum is everywhere. Well, he, in addition to the media blitz, he also was up for the community assist award. And I believe that the voting ended yesterday. And I think the awards are announced like way later on in uh, the, when they do the whole NBA awards ceremony at the end of June. I, I don't know if that's one that'll be leaked out beforehand or not, but I'm sure CJ is uh, thankful for everybody in Rip City, who retweeted and helped him get votes for the Community Assist Award. We'll see how that goes. Uh, have we even had any of the like the vacation spotting like Instagram posts? No, I, know, we did have I noticed one. on Instagram, uh, Evan Turner is living it up somewhere. I'm not quite sure where he is, but on Instagram, he is having a fine old time. I, I expect Evan Turner to basically have a fine time basically everywhere he goes. That's kind of an Evan <laughs> Turner thing. Um, one of our producers for Blazers Outsiders was on a uh, a flight for vacation for him, and he just happened to have a fellow Blazer on hand, and they were uh, they were spotted in uh, in Honolulu, Hawaii. So uh, Amin is ah. kicking in Hawaii for a little while. Uh, just in time for the volcano, so hopefully Chief is safe. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully everybody there is safe. That is that is a a, a strange situation. I've been really Nature, thinking a lot scary. about them. 
Well, what what scares me, what would scare me about it if I was there is the fact that you're on an island. And I just think about like, that's not a huge island. It's what, like 75 miles across and, you know, getting from one side to the other, like, I don't know. Breaking news, everybody. I, I think... Hawaii is an island. <laughs> I don't know. I... I'm sorry. I, I just, just worry about everybody there. And since we're from the Northwest, we can relate a little bit to the violence of volcanoes. And I know it's a different type of eruption going on, but it's still, um, you know, it's still a, a pretty scary experience. Speaking of scary so experiences, about though, because volcanoes, I, I, hold on, we're hold on, about hold on. We have things. a scary experience here. <laughs> Terry Rozier just went chest to chest with Joel Embiid like he was going to do something. And I, I, I kind of commend Rozier for, for trying to be a big boy here. But I'm, I'm thinking that's, that's not the fight you want to go for. He threw the elbow. He got in there. And then the Celtic teammates, they didn't come rescue Rozier. It took three Celtics to come take Joel Embiid off of Rozier. <laughs> so oh, my we're, goodness. We're, we're getting some, some good... Uh, so good late playoff fireworks. Hopefully we can uh, we can get a little bit more going. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the the playoffs that continue, even though the Blazers aren't in them. It's hard to imagine that they continue without the Blazers, but somehow they managed to. Starting with the East right now, Boston uh, the uh, leads the 76ers three to nothing, and soon it will uh, be over, or at least the game will be over, and we will know what the um, whether or not uh, 76ers come in. And then also Cleveland plays Toronto tonight. They are also up 3-0. Are things going pretty much as you expected in the East right now? Um, no. In, in both cases, really? I figured Toronto would at worst go 1-1 one one at home. But LeBron mm-hmm. has proven that he, he, he owns that team. Like he's in their head, he's in their mind, he's in their soul. And that he has just crushed everything it means to be a Raptors fan right now. Like... A single player owning a franchise like this, like I haven't seen anything like this in maybe my lifetime. I, I guess the closest thing could be like Michael Jordan with the Jazz. I mean, just absolutely just destroying them every opportunity he, he got. But man, this is just it's 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 wild to watch a one man show like this. And yeah, Love's shown up and done some things, but man, I think Corver is I, I I like Corver more and more all the time. Is is that like misplaced of me, or I no, just like he's one just, of the best shooters in NBA history? Shooting. Yeah, he's one. He's he literally one of the best shooting. If Kyle yeah, Korver, I mean, he sure looks like it. Yeah, if he was a higher production player, or if he had a more evolved skill set, we we I think people would think higher of Kyle Korver. I think they just see six foot eight white dude and think that he's just a shooter. But in the sense of that, he's just a shooter. He's just a Hall of Fame caliber shooter. Like he's one of the best to ever shoot the ball. Um, if it wasn't for guys like Steph who literally set the bar for what shooting is, I think pe- people would look at Kyle Corper a little bit differently. Um, but no, I mean, you can't leave him. And yet the Raptors for a period of time just forgot about Kyle Corver. Like they were running those pick and rolls and they were leaving Kyle Corver to help inside. That, that's just, that's mm-hmm. just mind blowing to me. And I don't, I don't think it's any sense of the word of like coaching, I, I think that's just brain dead basketball. Like, what what are you doing? I do. You, how would you compare Kyle Korver's 
skill set to CJ's. I mean, I, I believe CJ has more, more in has a bag. broader skill set. Right. But as far as the shooting goes, I mean, what I see out of Kyle Korver is him always being in the exact right place and stepping into every pass and moving into every pass with absolute confidence into the exact right place to do it. Like he never, never seems like he has to adjust or catch it somewhere else. He always has this really great instinct for where he's supposed to be. Whereas, you know, CJ, I guess has the ball in his hands more. He'll do more isolation play. I mean, do you see any kind of comparisons to these games or these guys game, or do you feel like they're just two completely separate players? I think they're, they're completely separate players, but I think there is a little bit of similarity in that CJ is probably one of the only other guys in the league as far as the younger crop that kind of goes back to the old generation of, of constant movement. Kyle Korver is absolutely the old generation NBA, the Shane Battier, the Reggie Millers, uh, the Ray Allens, the guys that just wear you out endlessly. And they're always stepping into the right place at the right time because they know how to run guys off screens. They know how to get the, get the space for their shot. That lightning quick releases. Um, it doesn't matter if his base is set or not. He's, he's kind of a throwback in that sense, but because the value of the three point shot is skyrocketed over the last 10, 12 years, um, his game is able to evolve without necessarily being able to create an isolation. Like he can catch and shoot from anywhere. And it's not just, he's a three point shooter. He's just, he's a stone cold shooter, whether it's the mid range free throw line. Um, and if you leave him and let him get to the rim, he's, he's athletic enough to be able to get there and, and make something happen. Um, so are, are there any, let's say developing players on the Blazers right now who, who you might think could follow in the mold of Kyle Korver? Or is that something that the Blazers would have, if, like if the Blazers needed that skill set, they would have to go and get a completely separate person? I mean, I'm thinking like Jake Lehman. Is he, you know, because he's... He, yeah, I think if you're looking like... He can get to the rim if he general, needs to. General skill set, Lehman is there, but obviously not near the level. I mean, the only other guy I think in the league that's still like that in the same sense that Corver is, is in, also in the Eastern Conference right now, and that's for Philly with J.J. Redick. Um, there aren't a lot of guys that really just run you ragged like that anymore. CJ does it a, a little bit. Um, I think what Bradley, Bradley, yeah, I think Mo could be that guy, but that's a different kind of work rate for him. Like he, Harkless okay. moves around a fair amount, but he spends most of his time offensively, at least either on the cut where he's catching and shooting at the rim or in the corner waiting for the kick out. Like that's that's kind of where he operates as far as the the half court sets go. You don't typically see Harkless involved with a lot of dribble handoffs or coming off a lot of motion at the top. Yeah, right. Well, let's move on to the other playoff going on right now in the East. Let's see. We've got Boston playing the 76ers right now. Is that playing out? You said that you no. didn't think either of them were turning no. out the way you believed that Boston? they would. Yeah, no. I, I I fully expected Philly to. Uh, to win this series to dominate, uh, huh? Not necessarily dominate. I figured that they would come back, um, one and one from Boston. And I, mm-hmm. I figured it would go five, maybe six in the favor of Philly. So the East is definitely not playing out in the, in the fashion that I thought it would. That, that is for certain. Um, so I have a question about the way the 76ers play. And I was watching the game the other night and I kept thinking, why doesn't Ben Simmons have the ball more is is he just, is the, is their system just, I mean, he's not a shooter. So why wouldn't he have the ball in his hands? So it seems like everybody, time I looked up, like Embiid had the ball or like Ilya Sova was like, you know, turning into the lane or something. I was just like, why, 
I just felt like Ben Simmons didn't have the ball as much as I thought he would. Uh, it, what it, are it, your observations about Ben Simmons? It depends on which game you're watching. Um, because for the most part, Simmons does have the ball. And he does, uh, because Philly pushes the, the pace quite a bit, a lot of it is Simmons pushing the pace and driving to the inside and then kicking out immediately once the defense is caved in. That's, mm, that's, okay, that's so different from Damian, who like will bring yeah. it up and then hold on to it for a while while everybody sets up. Yeah, Simmons is six foot ten and two hundred and forty, two hundred fifty pounds. Like getting to the rim for him is is something that's you know right in his wheelhouse. So with his handle and his passing ability, um, he doesn't necessarily need the ball to create for others all the time. He, it's it's very think about what Rondo did. Against for against the Blazers for the Pelicans, he he's not out there dribbling the ball, going pick and roll, you know, trying to create off uh, a ton of action. He's so good with the handle and his ability to, to change directions and get the spots that he would drive and draw the defense in a way that he knew would commit and was able to to create the angle and, and find the pass for the easy basket. Simmons is very much in that sense. Rondo, I don't think gets enough credit. I, I'm not a huge Rondo fan, but his passing is sublime. Um, and it's not uh-huh. just his uh, passing ability. It's how he, sets he gets, passes up. Yeah. I think he gets lots of credit for his passing. I don't think there's anybody out there who doesn't think Rondo is a good passer. Do you? No, I'm just I talking mean, about Rondo as a whole. Thing? Like, like, <laughs> like what, like how good he is at that. I mean, he's, he's mm-hmm. one of the best in the entire league. And I think Simmons is, is right there too. Uh, there was something that when Simmons played in, in his rookie summer league, um, all of the uh, hashtag blog boys were just kind of drooling over Simmons's ability to create. And we were all at the SB nation house. They're like, who have we seen come in the league ever with this passing ability? And the list was basically like, well, Rondo was close magic, LeBron Nash. And then everybody just kind of looked at each other like Stockton. That, that, that's about it. Like you're talking about guys who were literally the best in the, in the history of the NBA. And that's the kind of ability okay. that Simmons has. Okay, and so it sounds like to me that just like having the ball in your hands the whole time doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily have to have it in your hands the whole time if you're going to be a good passer. You you might still be you might yeah, cuz I just kept looking up going, "Wait, why does somebody else still have the ball? Why doesn't Ben Simmons have the ball?" But that makes a lot of sense because it's more than just having it in his hands, it's setting everybody else up. Yeah, I mean, really um he he doesn't need a whole lot to set other guys up because his his ability to get to the rim is is so high. Uh, he can get there pretty much at ease. And if you don't offer help, because, I mean, who are they guarding Ben Simmons with? There's going to be a mismatch somewhere because as a de facto point guard, are you going to put Terry Rozier on him? No. You're not going to give up seven, eight, nine inches and let Simmons like have that mismatch. Inches, I <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, you're not going to let that mismatch happen all game. So there's going to be a cross match somewhere. And when that happens, you have to offer help somewhere because the Sixers are going to find that. And the problem has been the sec- the Celtics have been really good about their recovery and when they help and how they help and putting pressure on the ball, getting in passing lanes and making uh, shot attempts more difficult. And another part of that is that the 76ers have choked a ton of open looks. I mean, mm-hmm. just an absolute ton of open looks. Uh-huh. A lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I feel like when I watch those two teams play, I feel like the, the thing that the 76ers lack against Boston is precision. And, you know, it looks like a lot of like, they know what they're supposed to do, but they don't do it precisely. And I, I feel like the Boston team right now 
is more refined in their ability to carry out everything they're supposed to be doing. And the 76ers are just kind of playing around and not to say that they're not playing really well, but I just feel like it'll be another year until they have the same kind of discipline as Boston is. And I know Boston is also just, you know, practically just, I guess they're probably about, they're just as young as the 76ers, but Boston just looks more precise to me. Yeah. I mean, really when we're looking at Ben Simmons you know, rookie year, quote unquote, and beat out there for the first full season or full-ish season. Um, they're getting their veteran help from Ilyasova, Bellinelli, and, and J.J. Redick, whereas the Celtics are getting it from guys like Al Horford and Marcus Smart, who has a ton of playoff experience already. Um, and then you've got guys like, obviously, Kyrie and, and uh, Hayward around the team as far as veteran presences, and even Aaron Baines, who's been around the league and, uh, spent time with, with the Spurs organization, so it, it's they're they're relying on their their young talent, but the kind of the, the guys that are setting the tones or not setting the tones for each team are, are the veterans. Al Horford's been great as far as like being the guy that makes the right play at the right time to keep the, the Celtics going. Where Redick, Ilyasova, and Bellinelli have kind of struggled as far as like knocking down shots um, in this series. It's, the same can be said of Embiid. So. Um, it's 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 a it's a weird balancing act that I I just didn't see it playing out this way for Boston and, and Philly here. Yeah, well, let's move on to the West. Uh, the Rockets right now are leading the Jazz three to one, Boo. and the team from the Bay Area is leading the Pelicans three to one. Anything you want to say about either of these matchups, except for the just like get them over with as fast as possible? Uh, well, I mean, I I want Utah to just kind of continue to grow and, and do some things down there because I. I, I love Donna Mitchell. My, my love for him knows no bounds. Mm-hmm. Um, as yeah, far as the, the the Pelicans Warriors series, I've heard a lot of people say like they want the they want the Pelicans to do really well because that that reflects well for the Blazers. And I'm like, but why? 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 I mean, it, it, the I think the second well, part the of this transitive is, property. I think, but you know, we uh, here's I don't the thing though: those same how people, much people really think that. Well, the same people are also. I've seen clamoring for change. Like in my mind, if like, if you want change, like wouldn't you want the Pelicans get absolutely smashed? Like if you're talking about the the transitive property, (laughs) like if you want changes, don't you want it to reflect that you got beat by a team that wasn't that much better than you? Yeah, Uh, sure. At least least that's the, how I, the way I looked at it at least. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It doesn't, I, I don't really care like what what people think about this, <laughs> you know. I mean, I think we just want to get on to there you the go. conference finals. Tara doesn't care. <laughs> it's not that I don't care. I just want to get to the finals, the conference nah. finals, and I just want to get there as quickly as possible. And whatever happens to the Pelicans, I'm really glad that things are coming together for them. I wish they hadn't come together so completely during the Blazers series, but it happened, you know, and they can't go back and change anything. So I just want to move forward onto the next thing. Nah. Anything else you want to say about those, those Western conferencings? Uh, Who do just, you think's going to, I just want Houston to win in it. the, you mean you want them to uh, lose in the conference finals? No, I want them to lose in the, in the semis. <laughs> Oh, you want them to listen now? Oh God, are you kidding oh, me? Oh, you want jazz? Yeah. Oh, not not just not just that, but like the narrative you... around Chris Paul and James Harden and choking in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, that would be delicious. It would that never would die. Delicious. They could they'd have to win like five titles to get that to die. <laughs> I mean, it, it would like the 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 good universe basketball universe karma that you would need to change that narrative. I, it doesn't exist. 
Right. Realistically, though, who do you think has the best chance against the team from the Bay Area? I Nobody. mean, it's the Rockets, right? I mean, as far as best chances, sure, but their chances are, aren't there. Like, they're, they're, the Warriors aren't even firing on all cylinders, and, and they're just beating the brakes off the Pelicans. Yeah, the Pelicans got a game. They're but... so annoying to watch. They are. That... Okay, so I'm the youngest of five, and I spent a lot of my youth in the middle of a keep-away game, and that's what it's like watching that team play. It's mm-hmm. just infuriating. <laughs> just like, oh, here, you take the ball. No, you take it, and you're just, like, in the middle running around just going, oh, my God, I just – give me my backpack. <laughs> and the, 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 way, the way they move the ball around it's nuts yeah yeah like does that was like was that really necessary did y'all have to do that could you just take your shot and then get back to the other end of the floor yeah i just i, I just want to i just want that one to those to be over and go right to the to the finals well let's move on we've got actually Several key dates are coming up for basketball fans, and I wanted to just kind of go over them, get our calendars out so we could plan, figure out what the next few months are going to look like for us, because there are some dates that uh, I want to know how much I should be paying attention to what's going on. All right. So all of my vacation plans depend on how you answer all these questions. No pressure. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so the first thing <laughs> that is coming up is on May 15th, they have the NBA draft lottery. So that's where they figure out who gets those first three positions. Am I right about that? Well, for yeah, you, so, you get the order for the lottery, all 14. Right. But they, they pull for the first three positions and everybody else falls into place in the order of their records. Correct. Yeah. As, as far as the, the lottery goes. Correct. You get your ping pong balls. Right, so all they're doing is try, is we're going to finalize who has those that, uh, that draft those top order. three picks. Yeah, yeah, and the best the best chance for that, of course, Phoenix, Memphis, and Dallas. Does any of this matter to the Blazers at all? I mean, do, is if the, Bla- sure, the Blazers if you plan have on, anything if you to try on, to if you plan on trading CJ, sure. If you think you think if they traded CJ, they would have enough to get into the high. The, Lottery. It depends on what, what they're looking at, but I, I don't mm-hmm. think Phoenix is, is looking to trade, especially after hiring Eeyore. Um, he's, he's worked with um, uh, Doncic already, um, has relationships with uh, the Slovenian national team and like what he's done and the respect that he's gotten. I don't, I don't think they want to get him a guy like CJ. Um, I don't think. So do you I, think they hired him for Doncic? I almost. That, that, that's, that's, that's the, yeah. That's the working theory at least. Mm-hmm. Um, the Grizzlies, I mean, I think I, I can't think of a team in the league that needs a top pick more than the Grizzlies right now. <gasps> like all right. of their talent is aging out. Yeah. Gasol's old. Yeah. Uh, Conley and Parsons are broken. I mean, outside of that, I mean, you can say Dylan Brooks is a nice player, but outside of that, they're I mean, ready to, they're yeah. ready to start over. <laughs> they need a talent infusion big time. Right. Right. And then uh, we'll see if Dallas gets that, you know, one of those top three spots too. And, and then we'll, you know, then the real bargaining and trading, uh, faux trading can begin once we know that final order. Okay. So immediately after that, the May 16th through the 20th is the NBA draft combine. Is there anything important about the combine anymore? I mean, or was there ever, because like some of the biggest guys don't even go anymore. Right. Yeah, the the big names don't go because they don't you know they don't uh, want to show they anything. Is it because they don't need back. to? They don't need to. There's no like, there's a risk of injury. There's a million things that they have go into that. private workouts, right? Yeah, and even then, like more and more teams like uh, Doncic is 
team is saying he's playing. He's, well, not, not just that they're, they're saying he's not going to do any workouts. Mm, okay. Um, if you remember, Persingas was the same way because mm-hmm. they, they didn't want him going somewhere. Um, Jalen Brown or um, uh, Tatum. I thought I saw. Okay. Tatum wasn't going to work out for like the Sixers. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I mean that happens as far as like pushing certain players trying to push their way towards or away from certain teams. Uh, a lot of these other guys, I mean, you get a guy like Jordan Bell who goes to the combine and they're like, wow, okay. He'll, you know, the, uh, the, for these other guys, these late first round, second round undrafted guys, this is their chance to put something on tape or to be in a room with the executives. Like you can, you can, okay. you can show something here. Like even if it is so blazers with one of the later first round picks, this you know this is something Somebody that might be, be there. of more interest to them. Yeah, no, okay. I, I wouldn't surprise me at all if, if we see Neil O'Shea at a combine. Okay, all right. So after the combine, then uh, June eleventh is the early entry withdrawal. So if somebody is this and let me tell me if I get this right, if somebody has declared for the draft but they have not hired an agent after they get results from the combine, they can decide to uh, go back to their final year. Of eligibility is that how that works as long as you don't sign an agent you're pretty much good to go as long as you don't have an agent right yeah. okay so i mean and so that in the combine final... is, i mean it's not exactly weak this year uh i mean the, the guys that as far as big name guys you've got marvin bagley you've got mo bamba um you've got kata bates job uh both bridges will be there bruce brown jr troy brown jr uh let's see wendell carter hamadou diallo uh trevon duvall uh, Shea Gilgis, Aaron Holiday. I mean, I'm looking at the list. Jaron Jackson, Justin Jackson, Kevin Knox. I mean, there are some big, big names here. Um, Michael Porter that Jr. Going to the combine? That are going to the combine. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, Trey Young is listed. Gary Trent Jr. So basically the only guys not going to the combine this year are like the top two picks, Aiton and, and Doncic. Hmm. So basically everybody else in the top ten is going to be there. And then, of course, everyone's favorite person to hate, Grayson Allen. Oh, which I've seen preliminary drafts with Portland taking him, and I just go, <laughs> oh. Uh, I know, I know. We're moving on. I know Portland needs a jerk, but they don't need a jerk that bad. <gasps> they don't need one that bad. Oh, they don't need the jerk's jerk. All right, June 21st is the draft where Portland has the 24th pick. Have you heard of any draft parties that are being planned yet? Is the last? Do we do we do, do we do parties for twenty fourth picks? Remember, oh, that's true. Last year we they had a few different. They had a few they, more picks. They than had just three three top twenty or three top thirty picks. So and, and well, but people in are the... interested in the whole draft. A lot of people are interested in what the other teams get and whether or not you know there's going to be any sweeping changes that start mm-hmm. with any draft any trades. I'll tell you, you what. Know, if the Blazers, the sweeping move, changes have to start somewhere. If they make a move and get into the lottery before the draft, I will have my own private draft party. Or public draft party. We'll invite everybody. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll check. We'll check back with you and see that. So June twenty fifth is the NBA awards. This is something I want to talk about. There is way too much time in between when people vote for the NBA awards and when they are finally uh, given out at the end of June. So. 
people have to vote for the NBA awards at the end of the regular season. And then we have to wait the entire playoffs until the end of the playoffs for the awards to be given out. I think that's way too much time, way too much changes. We can't even remember back to the end of the regular season anymore. What do you think about that? Uh, it's, it's a, it's the NBA trying to be like the NFL and making it a year-long, calendar-long... I don't know why the NBA... Well, hold on. I don't. Why would the NBA want to be like the NFL? The NBA is such a superior product, in my opinion, What was the, the last NFL, TV like... deal for the NFL? What was the last TV deal for the NBA? I have no that, idea. That's why you want to be like the NFL. From a business standpoint, what? you want to be like the NFL. You want to have year-round coverage and all of the eyes and all of the money in your pocket at all times. They do have year-round coverage. Who does? The NBA has... The NBA. They're working towards it. And then that's what this is. I mean, the NBA awards are right at the end of the playoffs. And then immediately after that, you have free agency. There's like a week in between. I think that they can move the awards out. I I, I will raise you your year-round coverage, and I will say one thing. August. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, don't say you're not saying they should leave the awards it's, off. It's, it's, like, August, it's like it's like Game of Thrones. It's not winter is coming, it's August is coming. Like uh. that that month is just the worst for NBA fans. But no, I, I I like what the NBA is doing. I think it's the right thing to do. Um I, I wish they would find a little bit something a little bit different with um the timing of that, because that seems a long time to, to kind of drag that out. But, well, like uh, right now, if you asked anybody who is the most valuable player in the NBA, how could you LeBron say anybody James. but LeBron right now? Yeah. Right, exactly. But they had to vote for James Harden, or you know, a lot of people voted for James Harden based on but the it's a reg- regular it's a, it's season. It's a regular season award. That was so award. long ago. It, it, that's the thing, though. It's a regular so, season award. Like I, I know, I, I just think there's think too they... much time between the, when the regular season ends and when they give out the award. I don't like, disagree. Maybe, why? Why couldn't they like take a week off in between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs and have the awards in there somewhere? I bet you the players would love that. And the thing is, I, I think this is what kind of goes back to a discussion we had a couple weeks ago about the, the definition of an MVP. Like I, that's why I think they need to uh, narrow down what the MVP really is. Like, wh- oh, you mean like they need to have a rubric? Something along those lines. <laughs> uh, it's either that or like have a not just a finals MVP, but like a playoffs MVP. Right. I mean, they do have the finals MVP, so I guess you would assume that it should be somebody who made it all the way to the finals. But what if LeBron got eliminated in the Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, in the, right. Like it would be devastating that he would not be able to get the award. He is so clearly the most superior player on earth right now. I, I, mean, I love that as a gentle reminder for everybody else that's like, oh, James Harden, James Harden, James Harden. I'm like, um, this, this LeBron character, still pretty decent. <sighs> I just think if it's going to be a regular season award, it should be awarded shortly after the regular season awards. Yeah. It's not like it's, it's going to take a long time for them to tally him up. You know, like you run it through the computer, your results are there. What are these I think they can figure of? out how to do it. I thought they were all hand counting these. <laughs> I, even so, I don't think it's going to be very hard. <laughs> anyway, so the awards are at the end of June. And then after that is Summer League, July 6th to the 17th in Las Vegas. There's been some changes this year to Summer League. Do you want to summarize them? Um, as far as the, the new Summer League, um, obviously, the if, if anybody that hasn't heard, uh, the NBA is instituting a new Summer League in Sacramento. And that's... I, I, 
I, it's great for me because does that start I, next year or this year? This year, 2018. Uh, it does start this. So okay. tentatively, there's four teams on the docket. I believe is what it was. Um, Sacramento, obviously, Golden State. Uh, there's one East Coast team. And I want to say it was Boston. Um, but for me, I mean, my own jealous or my own um, selfishness here is that I get to have an easy trip to uh, Sacramento for a summer league game. Um, but I mean, is that before or after the Las Vegas summer league? I'm actually trying to pull the date on it right now. Okay. It doesn't look like it's been officially <laughs> announced yet as far as dates go. So I'm assuming that it'll, if anything, it's after Vegas. Cause otherwise you, cause you've got the, the, the Utah or the, uh, not the Utah. Yeah. Utah one I thought, before, uh, yeah, Las Vegas. Um, so, I mean, as well, far I as timing-wise, you would either have to be much earlier or much later than, than Las Vegas because I don't think they're going to want to compete. And seriously, who wants to go to Sacramento? No, 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 I mean, nothing against Sacramento. But... You just said that you were looking forward to going to Sacramento. Well, I mean, it's, it's easier and cheaper for me to get down you to You want to go to else. Sacramento. Um, but, I mean, we're talking about as far as teams go. I mean, like, it's a new arena and everything, but, I mean, a lot of these guys would much rather be in Vegas. I mean, that's just kind of the mm-hmm. reality of it. Um, I just thought it was kind of weird that they picked Sacramento as the place to, to host it at. I, I guess they just want to get more, you know, butts and seats at the new arena. I mean, that's the only thing I can really see through this. Yeah. Well, you know, Portland has to go back and defend their runner up championship status. They were in the championship game last year. It was very exciting. Did not end up winning the title, but you know, they got to get back there and try to make it back to the finals and summer league doesn't matter. That summer league championship. It it matters in a sense. Like I, I want to see how different Zach Collins looks at this summer league. Here's what I, as far as I've been able to tell about summer league, everybody who has a really great summer league has a pretty eh, year. And then if somebody just flames out at summer league, they do much better than expected during the year. Um, yeah. I think it, it, it's more that it doesn't really matter. It's not really indicative of success on either either side. Cause remember Damian yeah. Lillard was a monster in summer league. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forgot about that. I was just seeing the last couple of years, like Pat Connaughton was just like, Oh my God, that's it. Goodbye, Pat. It was so great having you in Portland. <laughs> You're a wonderful person. I wish you all your luck in the, and, uh, and, uh, or MLB. And it was just like, Oh, they're keeping him. And then he, you know, had a, had a pretty, pretty good year. And then Zach Collins was just like, Oh my gosh, what has happened? And, and, you know, he was out with an injury and then, you know, he, he saw the floor and we saw him improve this year a lot more, but then like Swanigan just like ate everybody up. He like, <laughs> he just chewed through summer league and then we didn't really see a lot of him on the floor. So you're right. I mean, nothing is of what happens. Summer league is really indicative, I guess, of, of the year, but it is very fun. Yeah. No, I mean, summer league's a blast and I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I need to, uh, I need to get my, my basketball Jones on pretty hard. Yeah. Usually by that time of year. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, I got a couple more things I want to talk to you about today. One of them is during these playoffs, there has been a lot of people joining you in the chorus complaining about the refereeing. Now I am not opening the door for you to list your long list of complaints that you have about referees. I think a lot of people believe the referee situation is at a crisis and needs to be improved. So what I want to hear from you is a summary high level summary of your complaints, but then like 
what would you do? What is the solution? Because you can just keep saying, burn it, burn it, burn it. But like, what does that even mean? And what would it look like if you were going to rebuild the current um, structure? Okay, so as far as the the complaints go, um, for anybody who's not or anybody who's new to this level of hatred for the officials that I have, um, the big one is is the way that they call games. And when I see the way that they call games, it's 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 all encompassing in like how they call, what they call, when they call, and the consistency with which they call things or don't call things. Um, night in and night out, you're getting a different version of how the game is going to be called at the highest level of sport in the world. That's a problem. Okay, so I've heard a lot of people explain this by saying that there are a lot of new refs. So is this anything that you think could be corrected by all of these new refs who joined this year just having more experience? No, because I think the new refs are learning from the old. Um, and I think the problem with uh, one of the one of the underlying problems that I have with NBA officiating is the fact that we know so many of these officials' names, and by that I mean you know them because they've screwed up on a egregious or ridiculous level. Um, obviously, Scott Foster is a guy that if you follow basketball at all, you know his name. That's a problem. Like that's that's a major major problem that the league has to face. And if you look, guys like Scott Foster the Joey Crawfords of the world, the Dick Pavettas, um, the guys that have been these NBA lifers, they were put in a position by mostly Donald Stern um, to have this... David Stern? Oh, did I say Donald Stern? I was, good God, thank yeah. you, David Stern. I was like, wait a minute. I kept picturing Donald Sutherland yeah, no, I said, being I said in Donald, charge of the NBA referees. <laughs> I, I, I've, got a, a, I've got Twitter in front of me, and I look down at it, and they have an article on, obviously, the Donald. Um, and so I said Donald Stern, which would be pretty appropriate because I think the vitriol for, for both of those individuals is, was both, is both pretty high. Uh, as far as uh, the players are concerned, um, but with so you think that this guy? That there's so many old school guys. Let's I'm putting little air quotes up there. Old school guys are teaching the younger school that or the the new people, and they're they need to be doing it some different way. Yeah, and it's not just the style which they call games, and which I think is huge. It's the level of arrogance and. I'm trying to, to decide the, the, the right word here. The, the ability that they have to, to, to feel no repercussions for the mistakes. Unless somebody goes like up, up just a, totally across the line, like Courtney Kirkland headbutting an NBA player this year and getting mm-hmm. suspended. When do you hear of actions taken against, against an official? Think across so the board my... in, in different right. sports when an official makes a, 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 a terrible call. Think Ed Hockley. Ed Hockley is probably the most prominent official in the NFL. He was suspended for two weeks, and it was made public. And here's the actions that we're taking. Like, when, when an official makes a terrible call that literally has a rule changed or defined because of them, hey, Scott Foster, um, you, you don't hear about these things. There's no accountability. In, in, the, in under Sterling's um, reign, I, I use reign specifically there because he reigned like a dictator, um, there, there was absolutely unequivocally no accountability. Now, Adam Silver has tried to change that a little bit. The institution of last two minute reports <laughs> and during the changeover between 
Silver and Sterling. Silver talked about it because all the refs reports. You mean Stern, right? I keep saying Sterling. Keep God saying, dang yeah. it. Now I'm thinking Donald <laughs> Sterling and the Clippers. Dan. Good God. No, that was Close Donald Sterling. Twitter. <laughs> Good God. I'm all over it right now. Um, the other idea okay, here but, is that. Oh, no, go ahead. So I was going to say, who is protecting the refs? Is it the NBA or is it a really strong NBA refs organization that is somehow, um, you know, protecting them from these, you know, public, like, this is what this person did. This is why they're being taken out of the games. This is why this person didn't get to ref the playoffs Mm -hmm. because they made all these mistakes. Like who's protecting the refs as you, um, as you were describing the refs and the league to an extent. So for people who don't know, not even the refs get to see all of their own reviews because every game, every, every call is, is reviewed and documented and recorded and, you know, they're graded accordingly. Um, however, these individual players, they don't even get, or these individual refs, they don't get to see every report. I think it's something like 40% of their reviews are, are, are made available to them. The NBA keeps the other percentage. It's either 60, 40, one way or 60 or 40, 60, the other. I'm, I'm not entirely certain which, or which way it goes nowadays, but so not when, even the refs are hear- aware of this stuff. That's insane. Right. Well, so when we hear about them, you know, spending a lot of because, I mean, I don't think they want to be bad. I think they want to to do well. And when we hear about them, you know, watching games all the time, they'll they'll watch games beforehand to see how teams play. And then they'll uh, watch their own games that they've repped afterwards. So are you saying that they don't have you know, it's not like after a player plays a game, they have a guy or a woman, I guess, in some cases, possibly with the tape that says, here's all the things that you did right. And here's all the things that you did wrong. The referees don't have that. They're like on their own to go review. And then they may get a little bit of feedback, but there's not like a program in place. No, there is a, there is a program uh, in place, but they're not getting all of their scores and reviews uh, given to them. And that's so the NBA itself can control that, that data that, and that, that data has power. Because let's say uh, an NBA lifer like Scott Foster, and I'm going to stick to Scott Foster's being that guy because that's the guy the NBA wants to stick out there. I'm literally watching him run down the court right now and miss a call. Um, the guys like him can – let's say that the, the NBA players despise and hate everything about Scott Foster because that's true. Um, the last couple of, <laughs> of uh, polls that okay. have done – among NBA players, coaches, and executives, Scott Foster is the least liked, least respected official in the league. And that's for a reason. He's terrible at his job and his interaction with the players. I mean, it's... Wait, so they do a poll? Yeah, there's been a uh, you, uh, anonymous poll that's been done. Uh, the LA Times did one, and I oh, want to say one other publication did those. one. Uh, yeah, for those that are out there, I'll, I'll put the link in the, uh, in the podcast for anybody else that wants to see it. Um, they haven't done one, I think, in two years, um, but it, it just kind of goes to show the the level of which these play these these players know. Like they look at the referee mm-hmm. assignments, the team tells them who they're going to be going up against because that dictates the level and type of game that they're going to be able to play. Like that's a okay. problem. You need a game plan for your opponents, not your officials. You should know okay. night in, night out what to expect from your officials, and that's the 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 crux of the matter, at least for me. The idea that the NBA officials are good because they're better than NCAA officials is one that makes me want to put my head through a wall. Like when did we stop demanding excellence for professionals, people that are supposed to be at the, the absolute best just because they're better than something that's just sadly, 
sadly terrible in the NCAA doesn't mean it's an, an, an acceptable product. And I think that's where the NBA needs to start. So for everybody who wants to, who's ever heard me say burn it down, I mean burn down the entire referee and official structure that the NBA currently has. That means breaking up and dissolving the union, taking away all of their power, and making every single official reapply. Now, logically, people are like, that, that won't work. That can't happen. Um, it's, it, it would absolutely unequivocally result in a ton of growing pains. But I think the NBA would be better in the long run. I'll, I'll ask you this. And this is not a rhetorical question. I, I want to know if, if you have an answer to this because I think it kind of points to the, to the overall idea going on here. How do you become an, uh, an NBA official? Actually, I was just on the website the other day looking that up, and they have outlined like an eight-step process mm-hmm. of where you start and how you get recognized and, and then you move up. Um I mean, that's what I that's what I saw, and then they're like, "Sign up here if you want to be on the list" or something like that. Um, which I don't know really what that meant because I don't want to be an NBA ref, and so I didn't sign up. So I know there's a web page, whether or not it it's a web page with like five paragraphs. <laughs> I, I know uh-huh. exactly which one you're talking about. It, it, it's, uh-huh. There's no like, when do you hear about like? Um, development opportunities for young officials. Like, why isn't the the NBA uh, publicizing that stuff? Like, why? Like, if you're trying to get the best of the best, don't you want to have the best crop to pull from? Yeah, I mean, they could they could do a recruitment thing that starts young, just like they did with players. Like, maybe you're not going to be a player, but maybe you want to be around the game for the rest of your life. You could start off, you know, young training how to be a referee and this is how you do it. Yeah. That kind of thing. And that, that's what happens with, with the top flight prof, uh, professional refs in most other sports. Like you look okay. at, at soccer officials, there are officials that you unquestionably know that they are the best of the best. Like when you see this guy on, on the list for officials, you, you don't, you recognize his name because he's good. And it's, it, you get mm-hmm. that from both the home and away teams or at neutral fields, you know, you, you get them when you see that guy, you're like, yes, you know that this is the guy that calls the game no matter what, the right way, through and through. And the guys that don't, they get punished. They don't get top flight assignments. They, they, they don't work their way up into the professional rankings. Like, if you don't cut it, and don't get me wrong, no, no league is perfect. But I, I think there are a lot of leagues around the world that do things better from an officiating, from an organizational standpoint than the NBA does. Okay, so right now the NBA, I believe, has around 64 refs. Does that sound right? Give or I take, yeah, you, to you have some full-time refs, part-time, and you have, like, the contract refs that kind of get filled in for those god-awful games in, in, you know, March, April, May, or March and April um, for, like, new okay. guys that have no, like, playoff ramifications or anything along those lines. So, like, we're going to work those newer guys in that could become the part-timers. Right. So if you are going to start from scratch, make everybody apply for their jobs and build it up from there, how does the NBA have a season in October of 2018? And that's what I mean. There, there are ramifications here that are going to be huge. Like it, it has to be a process that basically the, the day the NBA season ends, it needs to happen. Like that, that, because they need every single day to make this happen. And I think the, the first way to start this is to have the rules committee come together um, with um, officials that, you know, you want to be the lead trainers or um, managers, so to speak, of how you want the game to be called. 
and you, everybody comes to an agreement on these particular rules, on how we want fouls to be called, on what um, But effect. that in and of itself is going to take like a year. Yeah. It's like I said, there's, it, and that's why I think you start that to begin with. So you do that first. Yes. So you once make, you, once take you the have, next year to make the plan. Yep. And, and then have, as soon as the end of next season is over, launch into the the plan that you've come up with. Yeah, because with I think the once you have the, the the key players, in, yeah, you have the key players in place. Once you have the leadership structure and everything just kind of follows in line and what the outline is supposed to be as far as how a game is to be officiated and how you're going to... The biggest thing for me is establishing the baselines of how a game is to be called and the consistency across the board and then training What do you mean how it's called? Like called with three refs or four refs or called by... I mean, like what do you mean how the game is called? The fourth ref is something that I think needs to be added no matter what. Uh, But not just that, the... The definition of what is to be called, and I know that sounds kind of weird or grandiose, but the best officials that I see around the league are knowing what does or doesn't impact a play, and that requires a high level of basketball knowledge. Um, My favorite ref in the league right now is Ron Gerritsen, and the reason I love Ron Gerritsen is, number one, you know what you're going to get from him. Number two, and this may sound weird for somebody who wants consistency, he doesn't call everything. And I'm not talking about let them play call everything. I'm talking about if a guy is off the ball, standing in the corner, um, and clearly has no interest in being a part of this play, because, you know, that does happen night in and night out, and the defender just happens to bump him or grab him, technically he's impeding his progress, or and then that's a foul. But did it impact the play? No, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with the okay. NFL and holding. Like you, I, I've I've ref high school and college basketball and football, and the old adage in, in football is as a uh, as a line judge, you can literally call holding on the offensive line on every single play because you can. And mm-hmm. that's the same thing I could I could call the same thing on defensive backs on on wide receivers. I could call holding nearly every single play. But you know when the when a wide receiver is dogging it. You know when uh, the run is going to the opposite side of the play, and neither that offensive lineman or that defensive end or outside linebacker has any interest in making a play on the other end. So it doesn't. So interference only happens when the ball was coming to you in the first place. Exactly. And now you can't predict that every time. So apply that to the NBA. Exactly. And there's there's levels to this stuff. I'm not saying this is black and white. If it's egregious, like he's bear hugging him in the corner. Yeah. Then yeah, it's if it's Lance Stevenson holding yeah, that to exactly, <laughs> and then I think that the the kind of common sense that comes with it isn't prevalent or it isn't common in the NBA right now. I think there are way too many refs that like to hear the sound of their own whistle, and that that's a big time problem for the league. Like, I mean, when NBA Twitter, not just like the the writers and the TV folks, the media guys up and down are talking about the officials, but when just average Joe fan knows the name of every single official in the game without looking up the box score, that's a major problem. Like, it's just, it's wild that the the NBA just ignores this. Like, I don't get it. Okay. Okay, well, I I think that I'm ready to wrap up this portion of our conversation. I don't think it's going to be the last one because I think people are noticing and I think the NBA is going to try to do something about it. And you thought I was silly when I said it's they need to start by like, you know, having an honest 
like discussion amongst the the groups. But I think whatever you're talking about isn't going to be successful if the groups are not talking to each other while the whole thing is being developed in the first place. Okay, so, so further so illustrate this point, Eric Gunderson on Twitter right now. Damn, I should have bet on the Sixers as soon as I saw this was a Tony Brothers Scott Foster collab. Mm-hmm. Like you knew you you know the right. mo of these guys. Like it was it was just a series ago where Tony Brothers and Scott Foster were on the same floor and everybody's screaming, how on earth, how on earth are these two clowns on the same court together in a deciding game? Like, the, the, the fact that that's an idea, and it's not even like tongue-in-cheek, that it's that well-known and everybody just kind of glances past it like it's nothing. Like, th- that to me is such a huge image problem for the NBA, for a league that, really has one of the best images in the in professional sports. So like I don't maybe they're just laying on the fact that their cachet is so good that they can let this go for a while longer. But how long until we get like an incident that's so bad? Like not even like Tim Donaghy level bad. And that's another one that everybody just kind of glosses over that the amount of officials that were named in the Donaghy report that that by not only Donaghy but a private investigator never saw the the the, the light of day. Like that report was buried. And I, I think that and a lot of those guys were tagged in that, that are active in the league still were implicated in that. Like that's a black eye that, that should be much, much more prevalent to the league in a more pressing matter as opposed to just sweeping it under the rug. It's, I don't know. It's just, this is, okay. this is my okay. rant that I'm going to, this it, is the hill I'm going to die it's on. It's going to be a long summer. So I'm going to cut you off right now. You've, put forward some interesting things to think about. This is like I just said, I don't think this is going to be the last time we talk about this summer because (laughs) I don't want you to think that I think that everything that the reps are doing is fine. It's just that it's not something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about. And so I want to learn more about the whole topic, but I can tell you're getting kind of agitated about it. And I want to turn and have our final topic be something that you're really excited about. Never. I know, I know. I'm just trying to look out for you, Dan. Mm. I want you to to not get your blood pressure up. I just want you to be mellow and have Don't a you nice know evening, secret to my blood nice pressure? summer evening. Don't you know the secret to my blood pressure? It's always high, Tara. It's like, it's like Hulk. <laughs> okay, well, I I care about your health, Dan, and mm-hmm. I do not want to contribute to uh, making it making your blood pressure get any higher. So let's turn and talk about something fun. fun. Esports. Okay, so I knew no virtually nothing about esports. I know that the Blazers have a team called Blazers Five Gaming, and just for like fun, because I was bored the other day this weekend when they were having a tournament, I tuned in. Oh my god, it was so fun mm-hmm. to watch! It was. It's, it's amazing like that this thing that appeals really to millions fun. of people can also appeal to other people. Wow! Wild. I know. I know. But I don't know anything about it. So, and I know that this is something that has been of interest to you during yep. the whole time where this was developing. So, can you, uh, first off, what is this uh, whole esports gaming thing that the NBA is doing specifically? How does this league work? And how do we know what we're looking at? All right. So, <laughs> the entire thing of the, this, you know, this league is based off the NBA 2K franchise uh, video game. It's on PC, Xbox, PlayStation. It's one of the most popular uh, sports gaming um, or sports games franchises in the world. Um, you've got FIFA, which is number one in popularity due to the, the global uh, population being huge soccer fans. Then you've got Madden, which uh, is the largest or highest selling um, sports platform in, in North America. Um, and then you've got 2K, which, again, has a global presence because basketball. 
Um, the idea was, and it started a couple of years ago, to take your in-game characters or avatars, however you want to call them, and play five-on-five basketball. And this evolved from the usual one-on-one where each person or each player would control all five players in the court for each team. So now that's evolved to a one-to-one ratio. And so that's how this league works is that each team has five players. Six guys because you, al- you have an alternate as well. You have an alternate. Yep. But everybody plays one player and then they play Correct. against another team where everybody's playing one player. So they're playing quote-unquote real basketball. Um, so it's now, five on five. Yes. Now there are definitely definitely differences in style between the actual game and this video game or esport. Um, however, the the way this works is now people may be familiar with the idea of the in-game character avatar, uh, personal player, whatever you want to call it. Um, that the two K model employs, and that's where you start with with a overall sixty five player. And you build that player up. Now, you can pick their height, their weight, and their particular... What do you mean 65 I'm, player? I, I, I'm, that I'm mean? getting into that. I'm, I'm getting okay. into that. So there, there's, there's a lot to this. Um, so you have a player rating structure that goes from 50 to 99. Now, the only guys that ever get 99s are the legit superstar, oh my God, Hall of Fame caliber players. Like Peak LeBron, Shaq, Jordan. Those are the guys that get that now. Um, Steph Curry flirted with that for a little bit, I think two years ago. Um, Durant has come close. Uh, th- those guys there are whatever you call the, the video game cheat codes. They're, they're elite hacks, yo. So like in the off season when people are like, so-and-so just got his 2k rating and yep. he's pissed. Yep. That's, that's what, what they're, talking they're talking about. about. Yeah, okay. and, and that rating is derived from skill sets. So rebounding, shooting from inside, shooting from mid-range, shooting from the three-point line, uh, ability to shoot off the catch, ability to shoot off the dribble, ability to shoot while contested, uh, defense, speed, athleticism, all this stuff goes in. And they have a, a lab, basically, where they kind of flesh all this stuff out based on stats from the season and feedback from uh, developers, players, and things of that nature. Um, so, so are the guys who are playing, are they playing – an actual player or do they no. make up their own characters? And that's, that's the difference here though, to make competitive balance um, appropriate for a league setting. So you don't have guys at, you know, 85 or 99, everybody's at a flat baseline. Um, I believe it's, I believe it's an 80 or an, or an 85. I can't remember off the top of my head now. Um, however, when you create your player in your particular position, you have different archetypes to choose from. So as a point guard, you could be a playmaking sharpshooter, which would give you the ability to create in the pick and roll and knock down uh, outside shots. However, your speed and athleticism, athleticism is going to suffer a little bit, and your ability to finish inside contested shots isn't, is going to be much lower than, say, a um, slashing finisher. So you'd have the ability, you'd be super athletic and have the ability to basically dunk on everybody. I mean that, but your uh, your ability to run the pick and roll or hit a shot outside fifteen feet is limited. So it's the difference between being a CJ McCollum uh, two guard or a Demar Derozan type two guard. Now, okay. so you, but you have different archetypes up and down the line. So you could have a stretch five uh, as your big man. Uh, but his interior defense and perimeter defense are going to suffer because he's not athletic, but he's got the ability to stretch the floor. So you have this so, chess match. 
And so the way that translates into the game, I, into the video game, I imagine it's not like it's impossible for the stretch for or for the stretch five to go in and play hard against the rim. It's just harder for the person who's manipulating the character to make that work. Yes, and because you're dealing in uh, video game terms, there it's it's almost an absolute. So the wall that you're going up against. So let's say. Um, uh, Perfect, Ed Davis. Let's say Ed Davis uh, is in the video game and you want to play him as a stretch five. You're, it's not impossible. Okay. <laughs> it's not impossible. But understand that as your glass-cleaning defensive center build that you've chosen, your ability to hit a three-point shot is capped, basically. Because your three-point rating is at a 50. It's at the lowest. It's at a, or it's at a, a, a 40 or 25. I, I said something earlier that the players are between 50 and 99. The, the players' ratings can drop actually below that. Uh, the scale is actually between 25 and 99. Um, I was thinking of the, so the old 2K style. Whoever's playing Ed Davis uh, at, could go out there and shoot as many threes as he wants, but the number of threes that are going to go in are going to be commensurate with actual, the actual number of threes with the Correct. real Ed it, Davis it, it, be it, out there. It goes off of two things. The probability, or actually more than two things. There's a couple things at play. The probability based on the rating, the release on the jumper. So that's that's where the skill is involved. That's well part of the skill. Of, is the, there, of the person who's person playing, playing the game. game. Correct. Right. Like you have to actually understand the release point of your shot. Mm-hmm. There's, there's what and they, get your timing right. Yeah. Right. They, they, when you get a uh, a perfect shot, and you the, the, there's a couple different ways you can call this. Uh, the the popular the popular vernacular within the 2K community is the green bean, because a green indicator will flash up, meaning you hit the sweet spot. And uh, when you hit that, the, your shot's going in. Is that it's all pure. the little things that show up on the floor while they're playing? Um, there's like all, all, there, there's different there's different things that are going on, on the floor. So we'll get into that. I don't want to I don't want to yeah. like do the whole thing today because no, we're gonna we're we're going kind of long. That's the high. We level can get there. into that for but, uh, I mean, later on. There's there's a ton of going on that's, that factors into that shot. So the green bean, the rating, and the level that you're being contested at. So if mm-hmm. a defender is okay. closer and longer and has a higher defensive rating or ability to contest shots, then that also negatively affects your ability to hit that shot. So mm-hmm. the, all the stuff that it would that translates is based on an absolute system with some variance um, for change. Okay. So that makes that's a really good explanation, or I think it's a good explanation. I have anything to compare it to, but that <laughs> helps me understand how the game actually works. So how does the league itself work? Okay, so they just finished uh, their their opening and inaugural tournament. Uh, Blazers Five Gaming came in second place. They lost the, to the Sixers Gaming uh, team uh, in the finals. They did look good. Uh, they played a uh, a different version of Two K where they a lot of teams are playing what they like to call or what it is called Five Out where they space the floor to give the point guard and big more room to operate and uh, force rotations. The Blazers actually went traditional and went kind of uh, Bill Walton, Maurice Lucas, and just beat the living crap at every other team inside. Um, so are, are the are the people on the Blazers 5 team, are they playing specific players or are they playing characters that they've made up? The, so the 2K League has a set for each position. Okay. So there's different archetypes for each position, 
So they're not playing Ed Davis <coughs> no. and Yusuf Nurkic and Damian Lillard. Cre- they no. are created in their in their model. So a lot okay. of the guys have taken to using the face scan ability to to make it look like them as well. Um, but the their player types are are all so everybody has can select from the same player types for their position. So what's there for one point guard is there for another point guard. So that's where kind of the mm-hmm. chess match begins because the Blazers have have two guys. Uh, their their first overall pick, the number six in the draft, was uh, one Wild Walnut, uh, Dwayne Downey. Uh, he's he's their center and he is kind of their linchpin. So and he features inside and, and plays old school and and scores all of his points down low. Um, the what's been looked at as the best power forward center combo in the league uh, in the two K league is the Blazers right now with him and uh, Dat Boy Shots. And they basically, along with their point guard, who has the best name, at least in my opinion, in the league, Mama, I'm Dat Man, uh, <laughs> th- those three guys are basically what carried the Blazers 5 game into this title uh, game in the uh, in this tournament play. Now, the tournament play was just kind of like the introduction to the league. Beyond that, okay. they're going to have their regular scheduled home-and-home, head-to-head uh, I, I can't remember the, the total games they're playing on the season, but it's going to play out just like an NBA season. And then it's going to go. And will it be a playing during the off months? Yeah. It's going to go during this time of the season um, or so this time August. of the year. So that, yeah, that they, that's what they're hoping to get is something out Maybe of it. Maybe that's what they're going to do in August. Yeah. I mean, the, the, if that's what I had to look forward to, at least give me something. Um, okay. A couple, th- couple there more There are questions some other tournaments that are going to be uh, interspersed throughout. Um, and we'll probably see some, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if come All Star time uh, next year that we have a like a just a, a, a 2K Invitational um, because how cool! And here's the big overlying theme for anybody who thinks this isn't going to work. You're wrong. <laughs> There's there are esports yeah. that work and there are esports that won't. These esports they will work, and there's one main reason why. It's the NBA. And, and I don't mean this to come as a, as a backhanded compliment or insult or anything of that nature. The reason the WNBA is still alive and successful and able to grow now is because of the NBA. Look around at the other leagues that, that tried to make something happen. They don't have the power, the money, and the backing that the NBA does and uh, did and does. Uh, it's the same thing as, is true here for, for 2K gaming. The money because and the, the NBA power is behind them. and the, well, right. not only that, the egos. They, they, if this is, the 2K league is too big to fail. To, to put it in, okay. in political parlance. And it's big, huh. think about the guys that are backing this. The guys, the, 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 the big money guys. I mean, the Blazers have a team, which means they're part of the Blazers organization, which means who owns them? Paul Allen. Do you think Paul Allen's going to let this fail? I mean, that's, that's just not, that's not a reality. I mean, look at Sacramento. You think Vivek's going to let that, that league fail? These guys got to where they are in life by sticking to these things and, and making them work. Okay, I got a couple more questions about this, and then we need to wrap it up. Where where do they play? Like, do they all play? Are, do they all in their own houses, like playing on their couch? Are they playing together? When you say home and home, like, do they actually travel somewhere to play a game? How does all that work? So, there's a couple different ways I've seen this that they're being that they're doing. And obviously, the the tournament that just took place was in New York City, and they were all in the same building together. Now. Um, you can have them where they compete via internet connection, the the Xbox Lives of the world, um, or you can have what they call the LAN tournaments, which is basically what they just had mm-hmm. where everybody's in the same room. Um, you can also go to a, a neutral location or, like, uh, I believe it's Cleveland and Detroit are actually planning to have an event where they're playing each other or scrimmaging each other um, at a park in Cleveland. 
for everybody to hmm. kind of come check out. So I think that it'll be a, a mixture of LAN events, um, remote tournaments where you're playing online. And then obviously for the playoffs, I think they're going to they're, they're go back to LAN because um, something to, to, to at least technical knowledge here, it's on the lower scale with LAN, everybody's on the same connection. There's no advantage or disadvantage mm-hmm. due to latency or lag. Um, right. If someone's get... internet goes out, it's not going <laughs> to. Yeah, exactly. So to it's eliminate... going to happen to all of them. Exactly. Not just one so, of them. <laughs> to eliminate those embarrassments and those competitive advantages or disadvantages, the most important and, and crucial moments will be played via LAN. Okay, so from the 10 minutes that I watched of it, I have a couple observations. Mm -hmm. One, it was, like, super fun. I was, like, totally surprised to be like, oh, my gosh, this is really fun. Because it was very active. It was lots of movement. It looked super realistic. Mm -hmm. But it was also just off enough that you knew it was something funky. And then every once in a while, they would cut to the actual players. They need to do something about their uniforms because uh, they like they just sit there in hoodies and like ugly T-shirts and that like they need to have something better than that. I mean, I get that, like the gamer hoodie thing, but at least like make them nice hoodies because these just look like, (laughs) you know, the kind that you get from Fred Myers and somebody like, you know, ironed a logo on the front. So I think don't come to terror with your weak hoodies. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Like I want like the nice ones, like the NBA players have, right. They're owned by the NBA. They need to have to a represent the NBA uniform. We have a, right? we have a uniform so, code for the NBA 2K league. We're going to have some uh, suits pregame, yeah. pregame tunnel yeah. suits. Yeah. I want them walking in with their little bags and I don't know what they're going to keep. They might, their little bags might like have their controllers, oh, controllers and headphones. Absolutely. Yeah. Th- those are yeah, precious exactly. commodities. Right. So I, I'm excited to learn more about the the Blazers Five Gaming and every podcast we do this summer is not going to have a giant uh, game esports <laughs> segment, but I wanted to talk about this it. This is your primer, you know, and the, just keep in mind, yeah, exactly. You, you will see started. more content. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the reality yeah. of it. They're, they're, for those of you that are interested, there will be more. Not to... wild about their logos either, though. Hey, Ugh. you know what? I think it just kind of follows. Not that I could come up with a better one. But one thing to take from it, the Blazer 5 gaming, because it's Blazer 5, five guys on the court. The 5 looks like an S, so it's like Blazers gaming, you know. Oh, I get that. I did not yeah, get that. That see. was I got that. That's yeah, very clever. Eh, eh, tap the head. Shouldn't have to explain that kind of thing, though. Yeah, well, you know, I do what I can. So, yes. So now that I know a little bit more about the league, the next thing is I'm going to have to learn how to actually play the game because I've picked out my screen name or whatever you call it. I, my, my, new, my screen name is going to be Your Mom Has Jokes. I'm pretty excited about that, and I'm, I think I can go a long way I'm if that's my handle. I guarantee that that name is taken. Oh, I, really? I, I'd be willing to wager quite a bit that that name is how taken. About just Your Mom? Oh, that's definitely taken. Oh, see, you get you gotta get it. It, you gotta get in early. I mean, I, I learned this what? the hard way because I had my original Xbox gamer tag was just Moose. I was I had the original oh. Moose gamer tags for those that don't know. It's my call sign in the Air Force, um, not because I have antlers, um, but I deployed. And back in the day, this is 12, 12, 13 years ago now. I deployed and my membership lapsed. And back then, if your membership lapsed, you could lose your gamer tag. And then I came back and some 12 year old kid had stolen my gamer tag. And I was just in software. It's heartbreaking. It is because it's a part of me. So I had to update it. So I, uh, I I had to go with a change to the, to, to moose and ended up going with the moose. And, Oh, 
Okay. Well, I guess I'll keep looking for, for a name for myself. And while I'm doing that, I will also be looking for news and updates about the Portland Trailblazers. And next week we'll come back and we'll have more to talk about. Uh, Dan, anything else you want to bring up today or anything that you are working on that you want to share for people to keep on the lookout for? No, I'm grinding away and dying in the heat like most vampires. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, uh, Blazers Outsiders will be on Tuesdays and Thursdays throughout the summer. We'll have some cool stuff coming. Nothing to announce yet because it's all kind of in the works, and we're all dying as much as everybody else for more Blazers news. Um, obviously, I think as far as key dates, just to kind of touch on, I think uh, we'll know the with pretty much certainty uh, the status of Neil O'Shea and, and Terry Stotts once this next round of the playoffs concludes. Um, oh, I right. I was going to ask about if Stan Van Gundy uh, re... Um today's yeah. parting ways with Detroit should make us feel any better or worse as Blazer fans. I think Do we just, know? I think it goes to show you that this stuff still is settled. Keep holding on. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> okay. that the last linchpin to fall here will either be will be Dwayne Casey. Like, I, I think if the Raptors move on okay. from him, that's gonna set a cascade. A, yeah, of it's, it's activity. gonna it's gonna domino out of control because I think it'll become like if you want Dwayne Casey as your coach, you yeah. need to move now. And that means if you have a coach or GM in place and you're contemplating changes, um, that kind of starts the timer. And then if Casey isn't fired, then everybody kind of knows where the pecking order of available coaches or assistants sits at. Well, I personally hope that we have nothing to talk about in that department Me too. next time we meet <laughs> and if everybody else uh, who's listening is looking for something to do they could also they could go to itunes and they could rate and review the blazers edge podcast or they subscribe it could subscribe if they haven't already folks you can find me at tcb biggs on twitter Tw- what did i just call it on twitter on the twitter tcb biggs on twitter and uh dan why don't you tell folks where they can find you and take us out of here all right folks you can find me on twitter at d meringue same on instagram anywhere else for any other social media stuff same handle same place uh you can find me on tuesdays and thursdays on blazers outsiders nbc sports northwest with shane brennan and joe simons and we'll have some cool guests along the way throughout the summer so stay tuned for that uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or else for your podcast needs. For Tara Bowen Biggs, I'm Danny Marine. I'll catch you all later, folks. See you.